0: The SF Music Tech Summit, recorded live by...
1: MediaOne Audio Visual. To learn more about us, visit us online at mediaoneaudio.com.
2: A lot of people in this room are, are working with the different social networks and have different strategies, and so this isn't as much as the panel talking to the room as it is we're, we're all going to kind of work together. So when you leave, hopefully you have some new ideas about new things to try as well as maybe a new theory or a new approach to, to, the, to the ways you're using social networks and interacting with your fan base in different ways. So that's, that's what I always really love to get out of these these panels is new opportunities, not just kind of hearing about what some folks up here do, but but also being able to take that away and, and use it. So we've got two, two things. We're, we're going to be asking questions at the at the you know towards the end but while this is while, while we're, we're talking I do want to let you know that we've we put a hashtag together on Twitter so it's hashtag social music and so if you post anything with that hashtag I'll see it up here and basically be able to ask anybody the, the question if you have or just an idea um, so hashtag social music and let's take it beyond that so as we all leave and go back to Everywhere: New York, L.A., Nashville, Seattle, Chicago, London. Everywhere, Chicago. Chicago. Okay, that that the the group here that's that is constantly thinking about this subject can it can it can kind of become a forum for things that you're finding out or new ways that you're thinking about using uh, social networks. So let's let's just go ahead and own hashtag social music. Cool. So we'll just start out by having everybody introduce themselves quickly let us know who you are what you're what you're doing and why you're here
1: okay, i'll start my name is jack conti um, i'm half of the band pomplamoose wow. and right. <laughs> um, and uh, my better half is in uh, sonoma right now <laughs> she is not with us today but She's drinking wine right chilling. drinking wine and hanging out tough life um, and let's see, for those of you who, uh, aren't familiar with the band, um, we got our start on YouTube, uh, uploading videos of ourselves, uh, performing our songs, in, in our home studio, and, um, we pretty much, uh, used exclusively YouTube for years, um, for about two years to, uh, grow as artists and, uh, and as a band, um, and, uh, and we, without you know, going the traditional label route, um, we were able to make a living and uh, buy a house and um, build some more recording studios and, uh, and finance the career and, and keep things moving forward. Um, so that's, that's what we're doing, and that's who I am.
3: I'm uh, Lincoln Parrish. I play in a band called Cage the Elephant. Um, and also have a production company outside of that called Talkbox Rodeo. And um, when the band first started, um, how we kind of first got going was we just uh, would get on Facebook and add people and send them messages personally and all from all over the world and tried to do as much. Um, you know, we did it all ourselves in the beginning, and that's how we got early fans in uh, the U.K, and uh, we got signed over there first. Um, so it was a very underground, um, organic way of doing things and, uh, yeah, that's how we got started. So, uh,
0: my name is Zoe Keating and I'm a cellist and a composer. Um, I've sort of got started. People know me as playing a cellist, as a cellist with other groups, um, like Rasputina, in the, and then, uh, Imogen Heap and Amanda Palmer and, um, a bunch of other people. Um, and uh, I'm sort of the, the token older person on the panel in that my career started before there was social media um, and has kind of <laughs> gone along with it so, um, but I'm entirely DIY and I make my living you know, selling music and um, I'm a mother so I'm very interested in using things, doing it effectively so I can be really efficient, so I can spend more time with my family
2: and cool. my name's Jay Cider. I'm the CEO and founder of Root Music. Uh, we make Bandpage on Facebook, which uh, provides a platform for musicians to represent themselves professionally across all of Facebook. We've got the largest music app um, called Bandpage so get your music up there. Um, so cool. Let's let's dive in. Social media. Um, you know, somebody said recently, it's it's not about um, trying to. It's not about growing your. Your, your fan base using social media they 're already there it 's just about getting in touch with them and, and using different avenues to to make that happen um, and I thought that w- that was really interesting because most people are trying to create this strategy to to get more fans but really there 's a ton of people out out there right are already using these platforms, and so it 's how do you effectively get in touch with them and keep them keep them interested in coming back so um, I think first and foremost about um, you know, the content that's shared that, that's the most important piece the reason these folks are, are here is because their music is incredible and what they do, you know, it's about the music and the art first and foremost um, but there, there, you know, there are other great musicians around the world that, that aren't in the, in the public's eye yet, quite yet so what do you think it is that, that you've done differently or that, things that you've tried to do that have, that have helped you get in touch with those folks?
0: Um, Well, I could start. (laughs) Um, I've uh, always had the philosophy of that I just... I've said this before, that um, I just need to um, let the world know about who I am as a person, that I'm always going to be making music, and that um, I just need to convince people that I'm worth giving money to. (laughs) So... (laughs) I mean, not a specific like that, but you know. So I I definitely use social media as a way to be myself to as many people as possible authentically. So that means that I'm, I'm just myself, and it seems really obvious, but it seems to get lost on a lot of a lot of people who are like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this as a marketing tool. I'm gonna do this, this, and this. But you just have to be yourself, whatever that is. If that means that you're gonna talk to your audience, if you're gonna tell them what you made for breakfast, that's great. (laughs) If you're only gonna write once a week to let them know about shows that's your thing. So that's sort of my my M.O., just be myself to as many people as possible.
3: Yeah, I think you uh, have to, you know, eliminate this whole thing around uh, people look at artists. Some artists as uh, pretentious or on a different level as, and don't see them as people. And, you know, everybody is just, uh, you know, we're like people like everybody else. You know, uh, you have your talents, we have our talents, and, um, you know, that, that can go for anybody you know so uh depends on what your calling in life is i guess but uh my thoughts about that i'll start more uh strategically
1: (laughs) um we pomple was uploading songs onto youtube we were uh, uploading originals songs onto youtube and um we were also uploading some covers we covered uh, songs like Nature Boy and Mr. Sandman, and in our first year, we were getting uh, you know a significant uh boost to sort of help our morale. you know we had several thousand views on videos, maybe ten thousand views on some videos, maybe twenty five thousand others um, and then uh, then we produced an album of Julia Noons, um, who's another YouTube artist. And one thing we noticed about her catalog on YouTube, um, and this was not strategic on her part, but simply um, reflected her, her taste in music. Um, if you search The Beatles on YouTube, there was a period of about a year and a half where Julia Noons popped up first. And it was because her cover of a Beatles song had more hits than the original version of that song on YouTube. And um, the brain side of me noticed this and said, boo ha <laughs> And um, so then Natalie and I uh, covered a song that was very popular at the time called Single Ladies. We did a reharmonization of the song. And, um, and we posted on YouTube. And we had also booked a show at the time, a, a little uh, laundromat slash cafe in San Francisco called Brainwash and um and by the time the show actually came around, single ladies had exploded, gotten several million views um, and we uh, the cafe was kind of a madhouse it was a crazy scene, and that literally happened in about a month. We went from getting ten thousand views and having five thousand subscribers to uh, getting millions and millions of views and having three hundred thousand subscribers um, and and literally it's it's Sort of content SEO. It was literally just deciding, okay, how can we optimize searches on YouTube so that they relate back to our videos? Um, and YouTube has this great recommended um, music program, this algorithm where if if you have a video called "Single Ladies" and somebody's just finished watching Beyonce, your video pops up right afterwards. Um, and this is this is a, a great thing about YouTube in particular. Um, but so that would be my advice to, to artists just starting out um, is cover cover some popular songs do, do some things that are going to help your search engine optimization because people aren't going to search for a band that they've never heard of
2: mm-hmm. um, so Zoe you, you talked about um, making money which people care about I guess mm-hmm. um, so <laughs> so and I think the, the more interesting thing is that um, and we talked about this a little bit uh, before the panel which is um, people feel do you, do you feel do you think people feel more comfortable uh, giving you money for your art if they know you more personally, or is there a strategy um, you know with with uh, around letting other people manage your social media presence um, where it's it 's not necessarily you but they know what to promote they know what to say to get them to buy your songs or Or go to your Um, shows, so...
0: I've never worked with with that (coughs) site, so I'm not entirely sure. Cool. But I I would say that my extreme belief (laughs) is that um, it's definitely when you get across that it's... Or for me, when I get across that it is me here, and there's no one in between. And if you you buy my music, it's just you're supporting me as an artist. Um, I really feel like that's really important, and that's Mm -hmm. the way that I make my living, is just to get that story across as much as possible. Um, And that... um, I find, you know, I just find that it doesn't work to have anybody in the middle. It's it's definitely like just convincing people that it's me. And mm-hmm. I know that um, I hear it all the time from people who say that they listened to me for years, and that it wasn't until they got to know me on Twitter that they actually started buying my music. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, people who buy my music. It's like I have it mostly sold on Bandcamp and iTunes, and um I, my base price is eight dollars on Bandcamp, and the average price that people pay is usually between twelve and thirteen dollars mm-hmm. so people most people that's the average So people always pay more, and I think it's because they want to support me as an artist, otherwise why would they bother
2: So once they've gotten to know you only once yeah. they've kind of made that connection, then right. do they put up the cash to support yeah. you okay that,
0: that's and, what I think
2: so. and so lincoln you you know you you've got a management company and a label. Um, are you guys how active are you guys on on your different uh, platforms
3: um you know we definitely um, all go um, we still do our facebook and um, and you know do we help promote um other bands friends of ours to help them out maybe they 're lesser known, but um, through the cage of Facebook we have over seven hundred thousand likes on our page so if we put one thing out on that, then, you know, to help our friends out, then they, they'll get, you know, 5,000 views in a day because we put up a link to our friends. And, you know, it's like what uh, Zoe was saying. I think it's all about being personable and people knowing you as a person. And um, if people like you, they're obviously going to want to support you. It's like supporting your friends, you know. So, um, yeah. Cool.
0: I, I would say I didn't start out really knowing that was true. Um, it, so I'm not sure what it, what, if it would be different if I started out knowing that that's how things worked. <laughs> it, maybe it would be the same. Hopefully it would be. But yeah. I've, I, I came to realize that after using it, that, yeah. that that's what I was doing yeah. and it was working for me.
3: Yeah. And <laughs> one, one thing I will say is like, I feel like the um, general audience, they don't want to – they won't be interested in you if they feel like you, know, you know, your managers or your labels are the one posting. You know, um, the, I feel like as an artist, you want to be the voice for yourself. Um, and not have um, people who are in suits in New York City mm-hmm. doing that for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. if I could speak to that personal connection as well. Um, it's, if, you're, if you're wanting to uh, have a more active social media presence, I would start by having a more active social media presence. Um, and that just means uh, if, you, if you want to start seeing followers and subscriptions, how about following some people and subscribing to some things that you like and care about? Um, that was a game changer for me on YouTube. I started thinking um, of YouTube as, this is a way to get fans. And the more time I spent on YouTube, the more cool stuff I found. And um, and it really started to affect my life in profound ways. I would have um, subscriptions to various people. I'd watch their videos. I'd watch their rants. I'd watch their songs. And, sooner rather than later I started having dreams about these people mm-hmm. I felt like I knew them weird dreams too I mean <laughs> profound stuff and, wow. and I you wanna no I don't stop. wanna yeah, share yeah, yeah. them
3: <laughs>
1: um, but, but I would wake up feeling really moved and, and the essence of that is an emotional connection with someone that you're making who you have no idea where they even live but you, you feel like you know them in some sense um and that emotional connection i think is really at the root of social media it's it's really about connecting with people um and and connecting with more people and following more people and subscribing to more videos and see what moves you and what feels good and what you enjoy clicking on and what you enjoy watching that's the best market research you could possibly do cool
2: um so jack you you guys uh make most of your cash by uh selling selling online um what are the different ways that you've seen To be effective, uh, how do you use the the social media platforms to to get the word out and and get people to buy?
1: Um, Okay, so conversion. Um, I guess a lot of people are scared that having their music available for free is going to make it uh, less purchasable. I disagree with that. I think, um, in fact, I'll I'll, I'll speak about a, a very clear moment where that that came to light. Uh, I had a record that I'd spent four months making. I put it out, uh, but not on YouTube. And then I put out little advertisements, which was just me in my bedroom playing some stuff to advertise the record. And I started getting emails. Hey, can I have an MP3 of that YouTube track? And nobody cared about the album. They wanted the advertisements for the album. And there were these little things that I did in one day in my bedroom. And they were available for free on YouTube. You could pull them up, you could watch them, but people wanted those. They didn't want the album tracks that I'd spent months and months polishing and creating. Um, And and that's when it really hit me that, hey, these videos that are on YouTube are are, more than an advertisement for the track. They are the content themselves, Um, but they also also are an advertisement for the track and the MP3. Um, So... I find that putting them out on YouTube, letting people hear the song, letting people see the song, experience the music, um, is, is the best way to convert and obviously having links and, you know, punching in your ISRC code. So you get little buy now links underneath the video. All that stuff is important, you know, to boost that 1% to 2%. But I think, uh, you know, the, the real businessman, (laughs) the, the real, uh, you know, meat and potatoes comes from actually having the track available.
3: Yeah, and it's music is so accessible these days through, like, um, sites like SoundCloud and stuff. You can, um, you know, for me, and songs that I write outside of Cage the Elephant, I, uh, as soon as I get done recording the song and mixing it, I immediately throw it up on SoundCloud and then share it to, you know, Facebook, um, MySpace, Twitter. Um, I'm trying to think what other Tumblr... Um, Whatever else there is out there, and it goes out to all these things at once, and so it's available to anybody in the world. And you know, it's definitely a new way of uh, approaching, you know, music and how it's accessible. But like he said, it's, I don't think necessarily that that's going to make people not want to purchase your music because if if they really like it and if it's good to begin with, then they'll want to have it in their car or you know on their iPod and. You know, they'll be able to download it um, through Bandcamp or iTunes or whatever. So, mm-hmm.
2: any other thoughts about making money? You, you tend to do that uh, as um, well.
0: Well, well, my process is a little slower because uh-huh. um, I tend to, you know, work really hard on something and then release it kind of slowly. And mm-hmm. especially now that I'm a mother, it's even slower. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, you know, there's tons of my music out there for free. I've never really. It's funny. I haven't really done it as a. I'm going to put this out for free, and then everybody will hear it. I just have to hope that it's going to work out.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say that the um, the things that lead to the most sales are not social media; it's NPR. <laughs> 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 so, because I I was on All Things Considered last week, and that was you know number one on iTunes for the whole week yeah. on iTunes Classical. All
1: right, NPR. That... So uh, if I could mention just one more thing. I guess. Thanks. The one thing that's nice about social media, I find, is that um, sometimes converting is really difficult. I'm sure everybody in this room has had the challenge at one point in your life where you have value and you can't convert. Um, and the nice thing about social media is that you can have value right now and figure out conversion later. <laughs> um, if, you, if you can build um, something that's good, and uh, people can follow you. You can build the brand. You can, you can, um, you know, you can develop followers and subscriptions and all that kind of stuff. You can sort of worry about monetizing down the road, and it will work down the road. It works because legislation will catch up eventually, and there will always be a way for artists to monetize because people need art. Um, and what's great about social media is it's a really quick way to convert that value to stored value. Mm-hmm.
0: I would say there's one other thing though. Like in addition to like, occasionally convincing someone, you know, on Twitter, for example, that maybe they might want to buy my album. Or I don't say like go buy my album, but the other, the other thing is that I mainly use it to. Know, I know that my audience is already out there, and I just need to let them know that I'm playing a concert nearby because the majority of my audience is not even on my mailing list. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're going to be using whatever tools they use to find out about things if they're even finding out about things, and so. Um, in terms of conversion, it's like I'd like to. I think of conversion if I can convince somebody to, to come to a show, or even if I can let them know that there's a show <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that I'm playing in New York, you know, next week. Like that, that would be one of the things. Yeah, so, there's
3: it? also the feedback aspect too from the fans. Is like, um, like part of it for me, I'll throw a song up that I recorded that day, and you know, par- part the interest of it for me to is to hear the feedback of what people think about it, or you know, and I want to know what the people who listen to my music what if they like it? Do they not like it? And you know, am I doing something right? Am I doing something wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's the best way to you know really test yourself in a way. Yeah, I guess
2: we did something similar um, with uh, Miles Davis Camp recently, where he well his camp put up um, uh, a bunch of songs, about thirty songs, and off of the band page to to see how many people shared the track and and played it to put together a compilation disk, and that's what they're going to come out with. We're going to come out with that study soon, but you can use these platforms to basically test your audience and see what they're into mm-hmm. to put together a product later.
0: We had, we had talked about in the meeting a little bit the thing that we had forgotten about, that sometimes you don't even know what social media is going to be good for, mm-hmm. and that Jack and I met via Twitter oh, yeah. and... So and and I also just did a few shows with Tears for Fears, and we met on Twitter as well yeah, so
1: how did tell tell us how that happened? Jack, Jack tells stories really well, so he should do. okay uh well, yeah, Zoe and I met on Twitter um, our Pompaousose was uh, about to release a um a tune, we wanted orchestration, we wanted to have a string section, we wanted to have horns um and we lived in the middle of the suburbs and didn't know anybody and uh we After a long time of strategizing, okay, who can we call? We know this guy and this business and that guy. And we sort of tried the whole thing. And then finally, we just posted a tweet saying, hey, we need to find players. Help us. And within about five minutes, our followers um, started... Tweeting incessantly at Zoe saying, mm-hmm. Hey, Papa <laughs>
0: and like his And, is blah, blah. and then
1: uh, and then she tweeted us, hey you guys need a cello player, and we tweeted back, and within twelve hours we had a whole band assembled. Um, and that was yep. that was on Twitter, and that was something that we did not expect from Twitter yeah. at all. Um, yep. within a couple days we recorded and finished the song with a full yeah. orchestral section.
0: I, I I would say that that, that's sort of an, uh, an unacknowledged thing about social media is that for some reason you can you, know, you can find, you can find help <laughs> mm-hmm. you know you can find help, mm-hmm. and then you can also meet people in this sort of unconventional way that might not necessarily work at a party, but because yeah. it's this weird, unconventional way, it works yeah, yeah. so, I, so I, I, I can encourage people to be open to that kind of thing.
3: Some people aren't as shy on the internet either yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I am actually so kind of shy. Exactly. <laughs>
2: Um, so yeah I think just looking at our uh, I'm looking at our, our Twitter hashtag uh, hashtag social music um, uh, Megan crane's kind of wrapping up a point about communicating uh, that by buying my music is you're supporting me directly and that's okay to, to let them know and um, let, let your fans know where they can transact uh, creating that. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Sachs was wondering if Beyonce reached out to you after you covered it.
0: <laughs>
2: no, she did
1: not. Uh. <laughs> oh. 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 But no, we did end up connecting with other artists, which was yeah. very cool. So. See?
2: See? That's good. <laughs> right. It happens. Um, so I think another interesting point that, that we talked about a little bit is, um, what do you use social media for? Um, and is it, is it for marketing specifically? Um, is it for communicating with your fans? Is it, you know, in how often and, and, and why do you do that? Just kind of the theory of using social media. Um, what, what's the purposes that, that you guys have used it for?
0: Well, there's a bunch of them. I, you know, list them off. One was it depends on what time you're at. So like, while I was making an album, I used social media so that I wouldn't be lonely, because I was in the studio by myself making an album. And uh, I would occasionally pull up Twitter just to see what was happening, and I would jump into the stream and interact just to let off steam, because otherwise I was going to go crazy. <laughs> that was one way. Another one was uh, right after I gave birth. Um, I released my album at the same time I released the baby and um, I wasn't able to go out and tour on it like a lot of other artists because I was kind of busy so I deliberately used social media as a way to let the world know about my album um, in lieu of touring Um, and then the number one I mean the number three would be like uh, just again just being myself and I just use it as a way it's like a, a form of expression people know me as a musician but also like you know I might comment on things or talk I'm just sort of myself it's just a
3: I think it's a self expression. I think yeah. we as human beings have a natural desire to be in other people's business <laughs> and hence why Facebook got so popular. Um so yeah, I think people always want to be informed on uh you know what's going on and not not so much like, oh like well there's a show. I mean that's great, you know, that you do that. But also like um like hey i've had a really bad day i need to go grab a beer right now you know like and so that people realize that you know we're we're all on the same page you know we're just normal and you know uh yeah people like to know what other people are doing so it's the same with uh, music and anything else uh for me
1: a couple things are really important about uh social media um i think honesty and transparency are probably at the top of the list. Um, I really don't like, and this is a personal thing, it works sometimes, and for some people it works great. Um, I haven't found that it works for me. Um, But I really don't like when, um, when I envision a band as this perfect, inhuman thing sitting... On a cloud somewhere, on another planet... In
3: a diamond-encrusted jet.
1: Surrounded by... Bingo. A <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that, that uh, for, it does two yeah. things to me. First, um, it makes me feel like I'll never be there. As a person, I'll never have the genius that they have because they're just enveloped in brilliance all the time. I'll never be able to create anything as good as they can. I think that attitude is detrimental to society for the same reason um, that having, you know, uh, silly images of skinny girls without any zits on billboards is detrimental to society. Um, it's it's fake. It's not honest. It's not transparent. Um, social media is really good at being honest. It's really good at giving a window to somebody's humanity. Um, and I think that's something that it does really well. So... That would be sort of my philosophy behind social media. Um, On more practical levels, it's really great to engage people on a consistent basis. I mean, if you think of, it's almost ridiculous that impressions used to think, I mean, impressions, literally, you would pay a certain amount per thousand impressions. Impressions are now free. Impressions are free. You have as many impressions as you like, and there's no limit to them. Um, This is happening for the first time ever. Um, there used to be gatekeepers for this kind of thing, and now um, you don't have to pay X dollars per thousand impressions. Um, and so engaging people on that consistent basis, I mean I've heard statistics like it takes nine impressions to convert somebody um, in the advertising world. Well, you can tweet nine times in one day if you want. I mean but over over a course of time, those tweets, everything about that um, about the artist's brand or their lack of a brand or whatever it is, those are things that, that add impressions and, and add engagement from a fan's perspective.
2: So, so I think, um, I mean, what, I'm, what I've been hearing, kind of what I've been seeing is that your social media presence is, is ex- extremely important, almost to the case where you're starting, you maybe should spend more time and money on this, uh, this way of getting in touch with people and creating content this way, rather than other traditional ways of marketing yourself. Um, through through ad buys, through print, through press, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what, what do you what do you guys think?
0: Well, I've never done any other kind of marketing,
2: so <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: um, I've never. I mean, I've I've certainly purchased Facebook ads in a city, where uh, you know I know that the ticker, ticket sales aren't what, they, what I'd like them to be. Mm-hmm. So I might like buy a Facebook ad for that, a targeted and target it in a certain way. Um, but I've never done any other kind of advertising. So and I but I don't think of social media as marketing.
2: Although you're getting in touch with everybody. And so, so I think, yeah. you know, what you're doing is, is just being natural. And, right. and again, uh, getting in touch with the people that are already there, mm-hmm. which are intrigued by what you put out. And,
0: and then there is the other thing, too, of, like, um, by, for example, putting music up on SoundCloud, then I don't have to pay bandwidth costs. Mm-hmm. Things like that. You know, that's, and it also happens thank to be you, social. <laughs> yeah, 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 thank you for that, by the way. Because <laughs> that can get pretty expensive. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Or you, or you could just get shut down from your ISP.
2: Yes, that too.
1: Um, yeah? <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to talk about a direct comparison between those uh, two types of marketing. Yeah. Um, uh, so Pomplamoose, when we released uh, our covers album, um, we put the the songs that had been available for free for nine months, um, I guess, that we were making the record as we released them as singles, and then we put the whole thing on iTunes and took them down for free. Um, and release a song at the same time that one of our we covered uh, uh, Telephone by Lady Gaga and uh, put out the covers album and that month we sold um, 30,000 songs and then two years later we did a, um, a, a or a year later we did an ad campaign with Hyundai um, where we were in one of their commercials or three of their commercials for some, uh, some of their cars um, and the ads were aired for a month on national television. Um, and they were aired to the point that the blogosphere hated Poplamoose. <laughs> uh, they were aired all the time. Um, and I think... No, I'm, I'm sort of joking halfway. A lot of people still liked us. Uh, <laughs> but um, we sold, I think, 25,000 songs that month. So um, the the comparison there for me... Uh, is, is pretty clear. I mean it, it was relatively similar, but one of those campaigns costs about i don't know how much 30 million dollars maybe. <laughs> I mean the, the ad campaign was a full you know, national television campaign it's hard to say what that costs start to finish on a budget perspective. Um, and our campaign cost zero dollars and it was strictly limited to YouTube and it generated the same amount of sales. So, you know, looking looking at managers
2: and labels um, today, and I think Lincoln, you're the the ones that's represented uh, there on this panel. But um, as as they're spending ad dollars and, and marketing in different ways, do you think um, this is this is kind of the obviously this is a few fut- the future of of where things need to be and where we need to be focusing time? But do you think? that's something that needs to be happening now. And, and this is open to the panel, too. Like, uh, should, we, should we be clear you know, that it's time to make some shifts and prioritize where you spend your money as well as your time uh, to effectively get in touch with uh, a fan base?
3: Yeah, I think. Um... Like sh-
2: just real quick, should, should the teams in the in labels and, and managers be much bigger around social media than uh, other teams?
3: Uh no I don't think so I think it can be a lot more direct with the artist and um what's great with the social media thing is now you don't have to go into millions of dollars of debt to uh promote yourself. So, um and why you know, why would you if you didn't have to? So and I feel like um the new way is there's gonna be a lot less uh middleman um in the equation because unfortunately you don 't need them, and you know there 's less of a barrier and it almost kind of goes back to the you know how it was in the fifties with like Sun Records and all these peoples putting out like singles and stuff all the time. Well, you know with how um like I said with th- throwing up some own personal stuff on SoundCloud, you know you can do that now it 's like put out a song a week or a song a day or whatever it doesn 't have to be built around this big thing of like oh you, you got to you know spend five years making an album. And then we're going to put a million dollars into uh you know marketing campaigns and all this stuff um because everybody's got the internet and it's free and it's accessible to everyone so yeah going to going into debt would be a great thing to not have to do uh-huh. i I would
0: say that um uh, I think it's important for artists themselves to be doing social media in order for it to be working mm-hmm. yep. I think i don't we've talked about this already yeah. somebody doing it on your behalf is. Not necessarily very effective, and might actually hurt the artist. But I do think that there is more needed in the realm of uh, analytics of your data. How mm-hmm. effective are you being? Like, not that you should change what you're doing, but just that it, you, there might be some some areas you might want to focus on a little bit more. Some, whether geographic areas or you know whatever. Um, and I think that artists could definitely use more help on the data side. Yeah, knowing what. Is working in yeah, and,
3: and where to go to yeah. from there. Because um.
0: yeah. that would help you be more targeted because you can't be using every single tool that comes out all the time <laughs> and updating everything
2: so, all the time. So, so yeah. let's dig into that a bit. Um, what What are the different ways that you pull information and data, what platforms, and, and how do you use it? I think that would be helpful.
0: Well, um, I certainly have done a lot less on the analytical side since I became a mother. I've been pretty focused on touring and stuff. And uh, that's why I'm mentioning this because I would like some help <laughs> with data. But anyway, um, I yeah. have used in the past uh, Google Analytics um, whenever I've had any specific campaign. You know, just setting that up on the page and seeing, mm-hmm. um, you know, seeing what's more effective. I, I did find from that that Twitter was my least effective platform. I learned from that. In what way? Um, just in terms of like people, if you post something on Facebook, it's the uh, what do you call it? The conversion rate. Nice. That's good. Is that it's 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 better. It's not so good. If 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 you get one percent on Twitter, it's good. That's what I found sometimes. Well, when you have.
3: Yeah, I know I sound like a SoundCloud uh, rep here, but (laughs) um, on SoundCloud there's a thing, and then you can go to your stats, and it'll show you like where your what what parts of the world that your stuff is getting played in, and I think mine's like uh, it was like eighty percent. For the States And like mm-hmm. 10% for the UK And then like There's like 5% in Brazil And 5% in Japan mm-hmm. And I don't even know Anybody in Brazil yeah. <laughs>
0: Well that, that's the other thing Is location stuff Like I, I often have The situation where You know I, I sell A lot of music um, And then How do I find these people mm-hmm. So that's where I need data help Like So
2: it's mainly For you right now It's Google Analytics Is
0: um with that and okay. then you know every i can download my daily itunes sales reports from my mm-hmm. itunes account yep. and i can see you know the zip codes of whoever purchased my music but mm-hmm. i don't really have a great tool for putting in that all that data mm-hmm. that i'm getting from itunes um i'm not and and from bandcamp i can get that info too but cool. it's like that that's the kind of thing like you know I'm, i've already sold the music now where are you right <laughs> right
1: do you have more to uh, yeah so for analytics um we use Um, YouTube analytics, which is rather comprehensive, actually. We get to see ages of subscribers and um, age ranges for certain videos, certain views, which videos trend better among which demographics. Um, But some uh, real important things that it helps us do... um, you know, for instance, we can see that in California, this percentage of our fan base on YouTube is under the age of twenty one and so we need to make sure that when we tour in California, we play at uh you know all ages clubs versus in say Kentucky, you know most of our fans are over thirty five and so maybe booking an all ages venue place isn't as important um, so those things are really uh are really helpful also um Record sales. I mean, generally, um, Pompamous has kind of shot itself in the foot by not having a physical record available. We only sell digital um, copies of, of our songs. Um, and if you look at our YouTube page, we do have a significant over 35, um, over 45, actually, um, fan base. I think over 35 is half of our fan base. Um, so it would really be helpful. I guess we haven't used that properly, but at least we know that we're failing. <laughs> um, so I think there's a good question here
2: um, from uh, our, our hashtag social, social music on Twitter uh, from Adam Krieger. Uh, you, can't, so you can't sell what can be infinitely copied. So what do the panelists feel they offer that is not infinitely copyable? You just I music. Don't know. try copying me, go ahead.
0: <laughs> Is that what you mean? Yeah. Or you mean, oh, the music?
1: I, I think that's a really important question. So, why do, why do people want to buy what they can get for free? Like, I, I don't think they are going to be buying music in five years. I mean, I th- who knows what's going to happen, but I, I highly doubt people are going to be paying $0.99 cents for an MP3 or an AAC file. I mean, I think we all have seen that coming for years now. It's just a matter of when the branding catches up and when people start adopting the whole streaming mechanism. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so so then what... I mean, it's a really important question. What is the value of, of an artist then? I mean, what are they actually doing for the public? And um, I, Somebody once asked um, Google—I've I've forgotten where I heard this story, but I, I was very inspired by this story. Google, I guess, had bought a bunch of uh, either news companies or aggregates or something, um, but they were getting into sort of a, a news mode. And, um, and somebody raised their hand and said, look, news is going online. You can read the front page of the New York Times for free. Newspaper subscriptions are going down. Why is Google getting into news? How are you guys going to possibly make money for this? Um, They asked the same question, incidentally, about YouTube years ago. Um, But uh, Google simply said, people need news. And the discussion ended there. We're going to find a way to monetize. Things are going to catch up. The business model may change. It may not necessarily be a $0.99 MP3 or AAC file. It may not be iTunes. It may not be an app. It may not be a phone. But artists are going to have a value in society. People like listening to music. how to convert that? That's a business question. I'm not worried about that. That'll solve itself at some point. But um, but yeah, I think it is a good question. I I don't think just because something is infinitely copyable or streamable doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. Um, there there will be a way to convert. Yeah,
0: I, I don't feel like the copying thing really matters. I mean, it's like I I know I'm well aware that way more people listen to my music than actually buy it. And that, you look I'm it, fine, it I'm as marketing. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it is I. Now that said, music sales right now are a significant chunk of my income mm-hmm. that would be um kind of scary for my family if it were to go away mm-hmm. but um that's you know i can't rely on it, so therefore I have to continually develop more sources of income like i 'm working on scores for plays or you know things like that it'll it'll all work out i'm pretty confident i'm not I'm not worried about
3: that and so <laughs> I guess my point of view from being on a I guess a major label and all that kind of stuff um Is I've told people directly go illegally down our download our album because I'm probably not going to see money from it anyways. (laughs) Uh, um, Easy. So uh, yeah. um, And uh, where was I going with this?
0: Um, (laughs) Well, there's the thing. Like, it's being honest. Yeah, no. There's there's other ways
3: to uh, you know make. Money and music You know There's a You know You get things through, Like licensing Are we, uh, One of our songs the Through Cage Elephant Was licensed In a video game Called Borderlands um, And Immediately Like uh, The song went um, Platinum It sold over A million copies um, And uh, there, You know There's things like that And you know Bands make money Playing shows mm-hmm. um, So Yeah I don't really care If people Listen to my music for but free. But I think
2: I think you know this is reality. So you know, get fucking with it. This yeah. is the this is how it's going to happen. Can, can I just so add one, more, one more thing? Yeah, go. Ahead,
0: Which sorry. is it? Sorry that that um, you don't need if, if you are really selling it all yourself, you don't need that many fans in order to make a living. Mm-hmm. You really don't need that fair many. And so there's always going to be people who are just going to listen to music and they're going to get it from the cloud. They're not going to pay for it. Whatever. That's that was probably the majority of people. But there's going to be a very small slice of people who really care about the arts. And who care about music? And I'm gonna continue to sell music to them. And if it's just 10,000 copies, that's great because mm-hmm. I keep all the money. <laughs> so that's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I could do 10,000 out of in the, in the United States. Like, you know, I think continue into the future. So it doesn't have to be. It's not the end of the world.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, I just I just wanted to uh, talk about another very specific example of how artists are gonna make money. Um, Natalie, the other half of Pomplamoose, um, has recently decided that she wants to make a solo album. I'm not hurt. It's okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, this is just one of those things that nobody saw coming. She, uh, she created an account on Kickstarter. I'm sure a lot of you have heard about Kickstarter. Um, it's basically a, a site that allows artists to give away, or not give away, but rather sell Things or i 'm not sure what it is they 're selling uh, backstage passes they 're selling a handmade painting made by me, the guitar strings I used to record long, long time ago, whatever it is you know they sell things and uh, in an effort to fund a project and Natalie put her goal for the project at twenty thousand dollars if the project doesn 't reach its goal, then all the funding falls through, and nobody 's cards are charged, and everything 's clear and fine. Um, her campaign was 50 days, she raised $104,000. So, um, artists are going to make money.
2: Yeah, I think it just always comes back to the value that you're bringing, you know? You put a good album together, I'm going to want to listen to the whole damn thing and, and buy that, but you've got, you you really have to, there, there has to be that true value behind it. It's not the overnight thing and pushing it through, you know, distribution channels and it's it's really time to to, to see that up front and stop trying to f- you know figure out how to continue yeah, finagle that. It's not
3: the '80s anymore. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I saw your hand first.
4: Sure. So a question related to Kickstarter, actually. Uh, I'm curious. About, I saw Devo in Seattle recently, older than most. And I love the band, love them forever. I paid hundred dollars for the VIP ticket, which
1: was a total waste of money because the venue running the VIP session. Uh, did did a terrible job with it and and got essentially no time with the band but I didn't care because most of the money went to the band so I was supporting them and I wonder if we're do any of you see a future in which there's patronage of the arts in the more traditional form, where I just say, you know, I'm going to make music for the next 20 years, and if you like what I make, just kick me some money through Kickstarter once a month. I'll have enough money to survive, and I'll just keep putting out all my music for free. <laughs> sure. Because I like an artist, I'm just going to subscribe for five bucks a month to donate. You know, it's like tithing to the artist. Right yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's,
0: there's lots of like that. Type. Bob Mould does that, for example, mm-hmm. really well. Like a lot of artists yeah. do that, where they mostly work on. You know, they have a a system in place you know for getting subscribers things like Topspin does that stuff another
3: yeah. another artist who's a good example that was Bonnie mm-hmm. Um his first record for Emma um, he recorded on an inbox at his uh, you know uncle's cabin or something in the woods over a month and um, completely released it independently on his own I think the album went to, on to sell like 300,000 copies probably more than that now and all that money went straight to him uh, with no middleman, and it was an underground cult following thing overnight. And I don't know how much, uh, how much of that he did through social, social media. I'm sure he had to have done something because you just don't get three hundred thousand fans like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's another good example of you know somebody who's kind of keeping it all in the house.
1: Um, I I definitely um, I, I think the the irony of this whole thing is that with the progression of technology, we're actually moving to a model that existed 500 years ago, yeah. which is this uh, this sponsorship of artists. And who's going to be the sponsors? We don't know. But we do know that there are a couple things that are really effective. Tiered pricing. Um, there are super fans. You might have 200 super fans, and that might be a significant chunk of your income in a year as an artist. <laughs> um, I also think corporate america. I mean, we're going to start to see I've always felt for a few years now that corporate america is going to be the modern day Medici family in a less evil kind of way. Um in that that, you know, HP might pay uh okay go $150,000 a year. Okay, here's here's your stipend, you know. Uh make music and at the end of your videos just say something nice about us. And actually, uh, they, did, they did something like this recently. I think HP paid for, uh, paid for one of OK Go's videos.
3: Oh, it was the one with the... The, the Rube-
1: machine, the Rube Goldberg yeah. machine. Yeah, great video. And at the end, there's this... It, it was like the coolest thing ever. At the end of the video, uh, it's, a little screen comes up and says, OK Go would sincerely like to thank HP for putting up the money to fund this video because without them... We couldn't have made this elaborate video. They're the only reason that you guys are watching this right now. So we really want to thank them. And I was like, hell yes, that is the most sincere form of sponsorship and placement. And I mean, that's just like brand equity merging at its best. I definitely see that as the future of bands and brands. Um, people are going to be paying artists to make things. And yeah, it's going to be some fans. It's going to be some super fans. It's going to be some companies. Um, I think even, uh, you know, companies might be sort of replacing, not not entirely because there will always be room for record labels. There's always going to be people who are going to help manage artists and help them get organized and help them sell music. But Mm -hmm. um, in terms of giving money to artists, I think Mm -hmm. corporations are going to start to, you know, run up the bill.
0: I forgot to mention, you reminded me of... um, on the micro level, you have corporations, but then there's, like, I use Bandcamp, and I can't say enough about them, because they allow me to, you know, super fans can pay, like, I recently had somebody pay $500 for my album, a digital conversion of it, or they could pay $8, or anywhere in between, and, um, you know, I mentioned the average is works out over the years to be 12, but, um, you know, that, that allows, like, a person to be a patron if they want to be,
2: so. I think it's just getting back to the point that if you... If you provide real value for people, something that it's it's art, right that's what music is about, it's what people respond to, that's the most important part, and that's how you can really be successful um, with using these different platforms and it, and it opens up all, all types of ways. Um, to communicate with your fan base. And I think that's not only for you know the DIY artists that are that are starting out and becoming regional and national, but also, you know, through the managers and labels, I think this is something really to listen to and really pay attention to um and and, and put a lot more, you know, put, put a big effort behind because this is these people here at, at on the panel are, are incredible musicians that are doing very, very well. And and if they you know if you guys get a team around you that could help push it out that much more. It, it, you can you can raise rise to the top of, you know, of media.
3: Yeah.
2: You got a question? Uh, actually, um, in comments to what you were just saying. Sure. Um, I think it's also important to not forget um, local businesses are great sponsors as mm-hmm. well because one of the artists that I'm working with now um, went to uh, a local club in the city where she lives and she's like, hey, you guys are the big nightclub in the area. You yeah. should talk to Tiesto and pay him to do a remix of my song. And so that's, what that's one of the things that she's doing. Cool. Um, and it's a great thing because now she's got a remix by Tiesto that she's not paying for. Yeah. And the club gets to, to be called the Tiesto Casanova mix or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's just, these are just local businesses that can benefit from something national. And they would definitely support local artists because she's popular in her area yeah. as well. Did you have a, another comment?
5: Uh, kind of. Uh, it struck Sorry. me about this um, Kickstarter thing and the people paying what they want is that if you actually think about it, the income distribution in this country is this ridiculous power law thing. There are people out there who have you know, almost infinite amounts of money, and there are people who have, and lots of people who have very little money. So your payment curve ends up resembling that. You have lots of people who get your stuff for free, but you need to make sure that the people who want to give you thousands of dollars can. And Kickstarter has been one of the first things that's done that, rather than saying, oh, all the music costs the same. So I think that's revealing something. then. And Zoe's example is similar. Um, so, so thinking about how can I um, let people pay me, enable people to pay me more. Um, and it's trying, something Cory Doctorow said was that um, all art is going to tend towards being poetry or opera. Um, it's either something you do... Quietly in a in a cafe for other people, or you find a way to fund this thing through 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 patronage and stage donations over time. Yeah. And I think these are
2: trends that are real. You know, I think it's it's time to, to really pay attention to these and put these practices into and, and I know we, we are to a certain extent as an industry, but I think it's really time to say publicly, okay, this is how we really need to, to be focusing on uh, connecting with folks. Is there a question here? Oh, you're just saying hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Good. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> uh,
3: so um, I, I, something that came up in the previous session, it came up here a little bit too, um, uh, Jack touched on it, yeah. was um,
4: what you want the production value of your viral videos to be, um, because you're sort of saying it was almost heartbreaking or, I don't know, maybe... Made you happy that this like sort of quick little video um, got so much
3: love uh, in the previous session? We had people saying, "Well, if you want it to really be viral um, and work, it actually has to be high production value." So I guess um, I'd like to hear from all the panelists on that. Um, well, Adam Dobson is a millionaire now because of the, the "Hide Your Kids, Hide Your Wife" video they got on the internet. Um, I mean, that's how. in you know, that was. And you can film on your iPhone. That that can be your camera. Uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think it has to be a big production value. And in, in my opinion, you know, um, things are so e- easily accessible to do at your house now. I mean, most recordings. To, I live in Nashville, um, Tennessee, and most recording studios or producers that have recording studios in Nashville, it's all. They're all at their house. They don't need, you know, all the the big studios in town are going out of business because, um, you know, you don't have to have the big, you know, like $500,000 Neve console to make a great record anymore. You know, you can do it at home on your laptop, so.
0: Yeah, I um, I haven't done any of my own videos or anything, so, um, and I I tend to just release the recordings that I make in my spare bedroom. That said, I spend forever making them perfect but so i don't know it's like the, the, i spent a lot of time on the artistic concept and making sure the art is good mm-hmm. but it doesn't really cost that much to make yeah. it just <clears> costs <throat> time
1: yeah um, so i don't want to go on too long but that is a a, a heavy point there um, i think first of all both work you can have high production value videos that get a lot of hits that's clearly demonstrated i mean we've all seen you know katy perry's et video and very you know a lot of money went into that and it's got a lot of hits that's great um, but also there's uh, like this artist that I was talking about before, Julia Nunes um, she's got a backpack on she's literally about to leave for school and she picked up her ukulele and recorded a song and it has 3 million hits and it's on YouTube um, you know so so the the question there I think is not is not one of production value or, or less production value. The question is, why do people share things? Why do people like things? What is it about that thing? And is production value in that equation? Yeah, there probably is some production value in there. But in um, the in the, uh, in the Left sets letter recently, Bob Lefsetz was talking about what is it that people want to send to someone else? Why do things grow vi- virally? And basically, they're things... He he seems to think they're things that give you an emotional reaction, things that you respond to emotionally. And production value is good at creating emotional reactions, but sometimes a lack of production value is really good at creating emotional reactions mm. too. Um, and so I don't think it takes one or the other. I think it, ultimately it's about the content itself, or the song, or the lyrics, mm. or um, you know something about it that moves you. If it moves you, you don't need the production value.
3: Yeah. No.
2: If you want to do be it. successful, put a lot of time into the art.
3: Like yeah, I agree with him. I mean, con is the biggest, most important thing, and um, yeah, that's what I would, yeah. what cool. it comes down to.
2: We have a lot of questions. You, sir. All right, so uh, I've
4: got a question. Um, basically, there's been kind of a big emphasis on whether or not you buy a song or go buy a song. So are you guys receiving much significant revenue from the streaming royalties, like from sound exchange?
1: No. No. No.
4: <laughs> well, you should check out my new uh, application. Yeah, but how is it
1: even? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, no, no. Well, meet me by the door. It. Yeah,
0: I don't see how it's possible. Though. I mean, sure, I get checks from SoundExchange, but they're minuscule. You know, it's like it's like what is it like two hundred fifty thousand plays or something leads to maybe like eight dollars or something. Mm-hmm. It's like I just don't. I think it's a, it's a great discovery mechanism. You know, people can listen to my music that way. But I'm never gonna. Count on it
4: as
1: an Maybe they'll come to shows. Now, now,
4: do yeah. you think that's going to increase, though? Because, no. you know, like y'all were saying, that right. uh, we can see these, you know, the buying so. of music kind of ending in the streaming. Say side, that, thing, say that sure. again? There's, there's a lot of, uh, you were talking about before, that uh, people buying music is something that we see on a downtrend, but we see a lot more people streaming music. So do you see the royalties from sound SoundExchange uh, becoming something uh
3: you know, no. you can live I, don't, I don't think no. that's
0: gonna that part's gonna change. I mean, it might so, be that maybe, like, if you can get in on the subscription revenue from the service, the aggregators are gonna do really well, but not the individual artists I, on that. I, have
3: a, I <laughs> have a friend who's that's a he's an attorney for CSEC, and um, Lady Gaga's um, royalty check from Spotify. I mean, an artist as big as Lady Gaga, who sells millions and millions of records, her Spotify royalty check was only for one hundred fifty four dollars. Okay. So we have a quick, quick, quick just a quick announcement yeah, here quick before announcement. we're done. Uh, this is going to end. Jay and the panel will close this. Uh, we have about five minutes. And I was told you can either go to see Slightly Stupid upstairs or there's a break in the ne- uh, for 20 minutes after this. And then the next session is going to start at 5.05, wherever you're headed. Thank you.
2: Cool. So, yeah. So um, maybe one more question there.
4: that comes with uh, social networks. And, you know, certainly a lot of older acts are just confused with
1: technology, but
4: that honesty and transparency for some acts is difficult too. And I'll never forget, this is more just a point of anything else, of how open and transparent it, it makes being an artist. I, I was managing a multi-platinum band in the early 2000s, and they used to get on that tour bus and leave their wives and girlfriends and go crazy on the road. And I'll never forget when I got a phone call from the guitar player saying, get that fucking post off of Facebook right now. Because some girl he had hooked up with last night had said, oh, you were so wonderful last
2: night. And his girlfriend saw that. So I think it actually is keeping artists honest on the road in addition to, uh, so just make it awesome. a point.
0: I do a lot of tweeting about cello baby.
3: Yeah, it's probably a lot... I think it's a lot more... uh, It'd be a lot more difficult for anybody to have an affair these days due to social networking. (laughs)
2: All right, last question.
1: On that note, do you find that... (laughs) (laughs) Let me rephrase. (laughs) do you find that you need different social networks depending on what privacy level you want or different channels? I, what's I,
0: privacy? I am very careful about privacy now that I'm a parent, I will say, because I have a little baby who comes on tour with me because I, I have to bring the baby on tour. And so it's just a mention of I still use all the same services, but I, I just select what I'm posting. Uh, yeah, I think it's you up know, to, it's to the, more the
3: user th- himself, you know, how much you want to put out there, um, you know. I'm not going to take a picture of my house and post it on Facebook because there's some weird people out there and they'd probably turn up at my house. Um,
0: yeah, and I, I live in the middle of the woods and so, you know, in Sonoma County. So cool. I to think about those things. But
1: Do you engage with your super fans um, on a more private level than you do with your entire communities? Do you find that more advantageful?
0: Uh, I, I don't know that I do really I don't know if they want to <laughs> I, don't, you know? I, I, I don't really I mean it's true that I, I engage people on Twitter like and on Facebook I write back to people because I like being social and it feels really rude not to and also then it and I get some enjoyment out of that Like it's, it's for me not just for them so um, uh, I do engage people whether they're super fans or not I don't really know they're just people who I'm interacting with Who some of them I interact with more regularly because I find them interesting like
2: kevin for example cool so you have one more point uh
1: yeah just I, I just wanted to touch on one thing really quickly since you mentioned production value one thing i, I forgot to mention um is that uh so I, I spent about four months creating a one music video um it was very low budget four thousand dollars but still was more than anything i'd ever made before that video now has seven hundred and fifty thousand views on youtube um Versus all my other videos, which took me less than three days to make and cost me zero dollars. And my total hits on YouTube is, I don't know, f- for my personal channel, it's like seven million or something. So that video that took me that, all that money and all that time and has pretty high production value is, you know, whatever, 10% of my views on YouTube. So I think if you have the resources, if you have the time, it's better to create a lot of little things than it is to put all your money and all your time into one big thing that you hope blows up into something that's viral. Unless
0: it's Except for classical music. I do actually think that classical music is different. It might work slightly differently. And I think that sometimes having one work in the classical realm that you spend a lot of time on actually might be more bang for the buck. So cool. it's, it depends on the genre. It's not always true. I think it is true for some things and it's not true for yeah. others.
2: So. Great. So we'll um, let's continue the conversation. If you use the Twitter hashtag uh, social music there's a lot of people in this room that do this uh, do this every day and are thinking about this. So Let's use that to communicate with each other as we disperse. Um, And also, I want to uh, give some sort of takeaway points. Um, And so, I'll talk with the panel. And if you go to rootmusic.com, excuse me, rootmusic.wordpress.com, we'll put together a blog post that has uh, kind of a a briefing of what we talked about and maybe some some more uh, straight straightforward points of things that you can be doing that we've talked about today. So, thanks so much for coming. Thank you, guys.